uh, open your Bibles to Matthew 5, 8. Um, I intended on, and so I lied a little bit, I'm sorry, uh, on working through. Last week we looked at the mercy of God shown to us, and so this week I wanted to look at how that mercy flows out from us and how we freely give away what we have freely received. But since that's going to come up later in Matthew, and um, well, it, you know, Jesus hammers on that point a lot. Um, instead of doing a whole sermon on it today, when you, instead of that, when you get home today, okay, not, not right now, because we're doing something right now, but, <laughs> but when you get home today, just read Matthew um, 18, 21 through 35, and you'll get it, okay? And Jesus says it better than, than I can say it, okay? That's, the, that's how you show the mercy of God to other people. So we're going to move into the next beatitude today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God and this is God's word. Um, this morning, we we're uh, drinking coffee. Sierra said, "Which beatitude are we doing today?" Because she didn't read the email. And um, <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, and I, I said, uh, "Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God." And she went, "Oh, <laughs> maybe you don't feel that in your gut." If you want to see God. If you want to be resurrected from the dirt when he appears, 1 John, and ascend his holy hill, Psalm 24, and dwell in his sanctuary, Psalm 15, in the congregation of the righteous, Psalm 1, and see his face, Revelation 22, then in view of the mercy of God and by the means that he has provided, cultivate a pure heart. So Jesus is saying here, the pure in heart, those who relate to God and to others in honesty and without pretense, will see the Lord and will enjoy him forever. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is the whole game, okay? Seeing God. Your, your last view not being the dirt clods thrown on top of your coffin, but your, your enduring view for the, the en- endless ages looking into the face of this Jewish man from Nazareth. That's the whole game, okay? That's, that's why we're here, okay? A, a pure heart. Now, what we think matters, okay? We, we want to love God with all of our mind. I want us to be a reading, studying, listening, learning church, because we love God with all of our minds, okay? And, and what we do matters, okay? How, I want us to walk out truth, and, and, and that matters a lot. But both of those things, what we think and what we do and how we live and how we act flow out of the heart, okay? The inward motivations of the heart that drive what we think and, and that, that drive what we do determine how the last day plays out for us. That's what Jesus is saying here, and this is how it's always been. Okay, God has always been concerned, more concerned, I would say, with the inward motives of our lives. Not so much what we do, but why we do it. Okay, and I I gave caveats at the start. It does matter what we think. It does matter what we do. So don't leave here today. I just do whatever I want with pure heart, and it's fine. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but the Lord is about the heart. Purity of hearts, and it's not new, it's not like a New Testament idea, Jesus goes up on the mountain here, and the first time, they, oh wow, I didn't know that. It's always been this way, Psalm 51, he says, surely, David says, after the Bathsheba incident, surely you desire truth, Lord, in the inner parts, you teach me wisdom in the inmost place, verse 10, create in me, God, you have to do it. 
Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. You don't delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure, nor do you take pleasure in burnt offerings. So what's going on here? Like, What's David going on about? He's not saying that the outward practice is bad. Okay, You don't delight in burnt offerings, dot, 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 because they're bad. That's not what he's saying. Okay, they, the, the bringing offerings to the Lord is good, actually. Right? The, the temple system was invented by who? God. So it's good, actually. The law is good. Actually, David is just saying, you don't delight in the offering for the offering's sake. Okay? You know what I mean? Like, God does not need your money. Like, we didn't pass that because God's running short. You know what I mean? Okay? <laughs> the, uh, the outward thing isn't bad. David's just saying, you don't delight in the offering or, or the bull or the, the fatted calf or the pigeons for the sake of those things. You delight in those things done with a sincere heart. Okay, with, with purity of heart. And so if this is what a pure heart is, walking these things out outwardly from a real place of devotion and love to God, a sincere and pure heart, if that's what God actually delights in, and those are the kind of offerings he delights in, what does God not delight in? What is the opposite of having a pure heart? The opposite of this is hypocrisy. Okay, It's the outward practice, not done with a pure heart, but done in pretense and done in show. Okay, Not only bringing the offering, but make sure everyone sees that I bring the offering. And this, guys, is an abomination to the Lord. He hates this. This is what Isaiah launches into, Isaiah 66. This is the one I esteem, he who is humble and who is contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Okay, This is the heart that God delights in, the one he esteems. And keep reading Isaiah 66, that's his son. Okay, He's my beloved son, who I delight in, I will please. Verse 3, but whoever sacrifices a bull, okay? So whoever does the, the right thing outwardly, but inwardly they're full of hate and they're full of anger towards their brother is like one who kills a man. You bring the offering, you, you bring the bull, but not done in sincerity and not done with a pure heart, you're a murderer, okay? It's like one who kills a man. Whoever offers a lamb is like one who breaks a dog's neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood, okay? Now, I don't know how much you know about the temple. That's a bad deal, okay? Whoever burns memorial incense like one who worships an idol, they have chosen their ways and their souls delight in abomination. So outwardly, they're doing the right thing, all right? It looks good, but inwardly, it's just not true. It's not real. It's, it's not pure. It's not done with real intentions. The Lord does not give a rip about the outward actions unless they're done with a pure heart. Does that make sense? He just doesn't care. You're not doing anything for him when you just bring the thing with a false heart, which David goes on to express in the rest of Psalm 51. If those are the sacrifices the Lord detests, what are the sacrifices he delights in? Okay? I know this is weird to think about, like, but what makes God smile? Right? What makes him go, that's the stuff, that's what I'm after. What moves the heart of God? Verse 17, the sacrifices of God, the ones that please him versus the ones that he detests, are a broken spirit. A broken spirit. And a contrite heart. A broken heart in sincerity. An outward action. The offering, the the sacrifice, whatever. Done in sincerity. And this is what the whole sacrificial system is about. Anyway, guys. You know what I mean? Like, God's not, I really need that dove. Like, (laughs) it's not. (laughs) That's not the point. The, The point is we bring these things. In the Levitical system, they bring these things with real sincerity and real brokenness. Oh God, have mercy on me. I have sinned. Let this blood atone 
Like, it's real, okay? It's real in the inward parts. You bring the lamb because you're really repentant in the heart. You don't bring the lamb because it looks good outwardly. And everyone's saying, oh, he's going up to the temple again. Like, that's not the point. The point is, God, I'm really broken over my sin. The sacrifice, the one done with a pure heart, David says, oh, God, you won't despise. You won't turn away from. You won't destroy later. You'll receive it. You will always receive the one who comes to you in brokenness and humility. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, that's what you need to hear, okay? Anytime you come to the Lord in brokenness, anytime you come to the Lord in repentance, he's not turning you away. That, just, that won't happen. That's not in the heart of God. If that's your version of God, it's the wrong one. Please believe in this one. Okay? He will not turn you away, okay? You, re- you receive grace, and you receive mercy, and the guy that does that, that brings the lamb, that brings the offering, that guy, the Lord says, he'll inherit eternal life. He will see God. And this idea just runs through the rest of the scripture. First Samuel 16, 7, we bring out all of, of uh, Jesse's brothers, and everyone's like, oh, those ones maybe? And then who, who do they pick? Shepherd boy, out in the, you know, no one cares about him. Bring him in, and Samuel says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God's looking at the heart. That's just always how it's been. And, and this is Jesus' main contention with the Pharisees, okay? So if you sit down, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay, just do that one week. Just sit down, read them all the way through one week. Jesus' main contention is with the Pharisees for one reason, and the Sadducees um, for another. We're just going to deal with the Pharisees today. They're hypocrites, okay? They're doing the right thing outwardly, but inwardly, they're wicked, right? And, and we're going to, we'll go through those texts. Outwardly, it looks like what they're doing. It looks like worship to God, okay? An outside observer would look at these guys and go, man, I need to be more like those guys, okay? But inwardly, it's not to glorify God. Inwardly, it's to receive the praise of man, okay? Pharisees are getting rich, okay? And just as a side note, guys, it always comes down to money and power. Every time. Every time. Okay? Money and power. Mark 7, verse 6. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honor me with their lips. Okay? They say they love God. They quote the scriptures. They have good theology. We'll see later. Like, they have, like, perfect theology. If you think Paul is a good theologian, the Pharisees are better. Okay? But their hearts are far from me. They've got all the language, they've got all the rhetoric, they've got all the outward action, but Jesus says they're hypocrites, their hearts are far from me. And Isaiah knew about these guys. Isaiah knew they would come, okay? This is what hypocrisy is, okay? Doing the right action with a wicked heart. Doing the outward thing, uh, but to receive praise of man and, and not from God, okay? And I think that's important that we understand what hypocrisy is and what hypocrisy is not. Hypocrisy is not... Hypocrisy is not knowing what's right and sinning and feeling godly guilt over it and repenting, okay? I screwed up again. I really want to get it right, but I just can't seem to. I'm such a hypocrite. No, you're not. That's not what hypocrisy is, all right? That, that, that's exactly wrong. That person who goes through that cycle over and over and over again, that person has truth in the inward parts, just hadn't made its way outward yet. You know what I mean? And God looks at the what? At the heart, okay? God sees the intentions of our heart, which is terrifying. We'll see later. But that's not hypocrisy, okay? That's inwardly right, and it's just outwardly wrong, okay? But if you run that game enough times, 
insincerity, really hating your sin, and really repenting, and eventually you run that thing enough times and throw yourself on the mercy of God enough times, eventually that inward truth that's real, okay? It seems weak to you and small to you and hypocritical to you, but it's real. That inward truth will eventually overtake and you'll actually walk that thing out in truth. Okay? That's how it works. That's not hypocrisy. That's repentance. Okay? And ask, if you're a younger saint, ask any of these older saints. That's real repentance. That's what it looks like. Getting up day after day after day after day, throwing yourself on the mercy of God, saying, Lord, I want to follow you in sincerity. I want to walk this thing out. I want to be obedient to you. And then you don't. (laughs) And then you wake up the next day and say, Lord, I really want to walk this thing out in sincerity and humility and obedience. And then you don't. Okay, that's the, I mean, that's the game, guys. And the Lord sees that, and the Lord delights in it. That offering, that sacrifice, that broken heart and contrite spirit, David says, oh God, you'll never despise that thing. You'll never say, nope, that was it. That's really good news for you who sin. If you don't sin, whatever. But if you, it's really important. It's really good news. You keep falling, and you keep getting up, and you do that over and over and over and over, and you bring that offering to the Lord, and you don't listen to the enemy's accusations, because that's the next part of the game that, you know, you find out about, is every time you fall and you start to get back up, the enemy says, well, it's not really real. You're a hypocrite. It's not real, this repentance. You're putting on the show. It's whatever. And so what you have to do is you quote Micah 7 to that guy. And you quote it to him, and you quote it to him, and you quote it to him, and you quote it to him until he shuts up. Okay? So I'm going to quote it to you now. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Talking to you, man, who's accusing me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him. Okay? So that's real. There are real actual consequences for our sin. Okay? The Lord's not going, that's awesome. That's great. Love it. There's real consequences for sin. And so I'm going to bear that indignation until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me out to the light where I can see the blessed of the pure in heart. They will see. I shall look with my eyes upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her and now she will be trampled down like the mire in the streets. God's going to look at that real repentance, that genuine turning to God and throwing yourself onto the mercy of the cross and the work of Christ and say, all right, inherit eternal life. Enter into the joy of my father. Hypocrisy is the opposite of that. Okay, hypocrisy is doing all the right things outwardly without a right heart. Pharisees again, this time with Paul, Acts 24. This I confess to you, Paul's just going before rulers again. This I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers. Okay? Not a new religion. I worship the God of our fathers. Believing everything laid down and written in the, in the law and the prophets. Having a hope in God which these men. So Paul's standing with the Pharisees and says, I have a hope in God which these men, the Pharisees, they accept. I have the same hope as the Pharisees. And I'm like, what? That's what it says. That there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Okay? Paul has the same theology as the Pharisees. Paul hasn't spiritualized, realized, or reinterpreted any of Israel's hopes for a restored earth and a restored Davidic kingdom ruled by the Messiah from Jerusalem. That's what the Pharisees believe. That's the hope. And Paul says, yeah, I got the same hope as these guys. Okay? What's the difference between Paul 
and the Pharisees. And what's the difference between Jesus and the Pharisees? Verse 16, okay? We believe all the same stuff. The difference between me and the difference between them is that I always take pains to have a clean conscience. I always take pains to have a pure heart before God and men. That's the difference. I mean, like, like the, their textbook says the same thing, and <laughs> ours says it too. But Paul says, I'm, I'm living with a clean conscience before God. Paul says, I believe the same things as these guys, but I'm walking this thing out before the Lord's eyes, so I'll have reward in the age to come. That's the point. I'm not walking this thing out before man's eyes so I can have money and power in this age, which is what the Pharisees were doing. Paul does everything to honor the Lord alone. He lives before the eyes of the Lord alone. They do everything to honor men alone, which the rest of the Sermon on the Mount is just going to hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer. Paul's living for the Lord's eyes. They're living for man's, okay? Do you see, like, the, the point of a pure heart is a point of motivation, okay? What's driving your actions, Okay? Why are you here? Why do you serve in any capacity as a deacon or an elder and all the things that members do? Why do you put your money in the offering plate? Okay? Is it to be exalted by men in this age through outward deeds unto your glory? Or is it to be exalted by God in the age to come through outward deeds unto his, like... Okay? And that, like, the, the, the terrifying part about this is only the Lord knows this. You know what I mean? Like we don't have, um, you know, transparent whatever's on our hearts here where we can see, oh, they just put that in because they know I was looking. You know what I mean? <laughs> the Lord has that machine. You know? The day of the Lord will actually expose these things. Okay? You can live righteously outwardly. You can sing the songs and serve on the committee and give to the charity or whatever and do so for the accolades of man and not for the Lord. Okay? And we won't know. We, we won't know. Okay? Now, some of you are horrible actors, and we will know, but... <laughs> but Paul warns us, okay? Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. This is, this is stern stuff. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Don't pronounce judgment before the time. What's the time? Before the Lord comes. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then... Each one will receive his condemnation from God. That's terrifying. Okay? As, as a sinner, terrifying scripture. Okay? On his day, the motives of our hearts will be exposed. And we can't hide them. We can't hide them now. But on that, we really can't hide them. God dwells on a throne at the height of the heavens. And he sees our inward parts. And we certainly... Cannot hide them now, nor can we hide them then. So in light of that, in light of the day of the Lord exposing the inward parts, in light of the day of the Lord exposing our wicked hearts, Jesus says, Luke 12, because this is real, beware, be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Okay, There's nothing concealed that won't be disclosed or hidden that won't be made known. Okay. There's nothing concealed in the heart that won't be disclosed on the day of the Lord. Again, that's the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount. He's just, he's just giving up between two kinds of people. Those who get reward in this age and those who get it in the age to come. Matthew 23. Woe to you, you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices and mint and dill and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. Right? They've got the right things outwardly. Okay? Like, it's good that they're tithing their mint and dill and, and cumin. And, like, that's good. The law says, yeah, do that and do it under the Lord. 
but they're neglecting all the things that are, are weightier, okay, which is a bigger conversation. <laughs> um, in the law, he says, you should have practiced the latter. Keep doing that, but don't neglect the former. You blind guides. You strain out a net. You do the outward thing, but you swallow a camel. You're unrighteous inwardly. Woe to you, teachers of the law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed. Inside, they're, they're full of, of self-indulgence. Again, it always goes back to money. It always goes back to money. They're trying to get rich. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the ditch, and then the outside will be clean, which is how it's supposed to work, right? That's what I was saying. Like, you run that game in sincerity long enough, and I promise, and, you know, it, the day of the Lord might come first, but <laughs> you'll start to walk that thing out in truth. Woe to you, you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous. But on the inside, you're full of wickedness and, and hypocrisy. Okay? It's a word, certainly, for the Pharisees. But guys, those, those kinds of words from Jesus uh, should, should give us some fear of the Lord. Okay? <laughs> like the, um, God is saying these things to them in the flesh. Like if you can just transport back to, to the first century here. God in the flesh is saying, I see your inward parts and they're rotten. And um, the Spirit's saying that to us today. Okay? Like these, <laughs> these are the words of God. This is what it does. So I'm going to look at it in a second. But I just don't want us to, to read that and go, yeah, those Pharisees, they really didn't have it right. Like we're somehow better than them. So how do we get a pure heart? Well, if you buy my book for $19.99. First way we get a pure heart is only by the Spirit of God. Okay. It is a work of God to have a pure heart. Okay? You, you can't make it happen. You throw yourself on the mercy of God and you ask for the Spirit to lead you and guide you in truth. That's first, okay? Everything else I'm going to say is, is garbage if this isn't first. That this is a work of God, not something we can drum up. So first, the Spirit of God. Second, the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And if that's not enough, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. So here's the deal. Here's why this matters. Is our capacity to uh, evaluate our own hearts is sketchy at best. Okay, I promise you, you're way worse than you think you are. That's just... <laughs> Like, I know you can get that, you know, we were like that kind of mix of Protestant Catholic guilt and like, I am really bad, and, and you're worse. That's just what I'm telling you, okay? So you need the Word of God to discern our thoughts and our intents to really show us what's going on in here. And I don't have time to work through all these passages this morning, but like most of Paul's letters, he's, he's writing to uh, different churches, are him dealing with 
uh, the congregation teaching them, hey, you got to discern between who is a true teacher and a false teacher, and who is a true prophet and a false prophet, and who is a true apostle and a, and a false apostle. You have to discern that. And the way that Paul tells them to discern between these things is not based on their doctrine. In two instances it is, okay? He's writing to the Gnostic heresies and the Judaizers. We don't go into... But most of the time, when Paul's saying these guys are true and these guys are false, it's not, their, it's not their doctrine, okay? Because they're teaching the right things, but they're doing so to make money off of people and to gain power and gain influence. And Paul says, yeah, everything they're saying is right, but here's why they're doing it. And Paul says, you know that I'm true because I didn't steal anything from you. I could have, uh, the, the, the whole passage about the, the ox is worth its wages and all this stuff. And he said, he's saying that and says, you should be paying me, but so you know that I'm true, I, uh, you're not gonna, I'm not going to take any money from you. So you know my heart is pure versus these guys who are just trying to rip you off. It's not their doctrine, guys. It's the inward parts of their heart that Paul said, they're false. They're not real. They enjoy the fame and the influence and the popularity and the money. So they're false. That's what he's um, saying. So as, as a professional minister, like who gets paid to do this, these letters that Paul writes discerning between true and false are pure gold to me because every time I read them, they're searching my heart. It, it's the, it's the, the word doing the work of discerning the thoughts and intents of my heart. Like, Josh, are you doing this because it pays well? Okay. Did, did you say that because you knew it would get applause? Guys, my heart is way more wicked than you think it is. Okay, are you studying this because you love God, or so you can win an argument? Okay, like that. Like I open up my Bible and have to ask the Lord. Like, okay, I just want to love God here, and I just want to love truth here, and I'm not reading this so I can win an argument. And that, and um, I have. So we have to have the Word of God to to, to say, oh, wicked poke. You know what I mean? Like, and, and cut that stuff. Out because what's on the line of having a pure heart, not having a pure heart, is seeing God. So we have to have the Spirit of God. We have to have the Word of God to to discern the thoughts and the intentions of our hearts. And then we need the Spirit of God again to obey what the Word's showing us and say, "Hey, yeah, that's wicked. I'm showing you." And you go, "Okay, great. I'm going to keep doing it." You need the Spirit to come along and say, "Nope, we're not doing that." Okay. So to have a pure heart, we need the Spirit, and we need the Word. And third, we need a biblical hope. Okay, 1 John uh, 3, we read it last week, but we're going to read it again. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. If this thing wouldn't rattle and, and, and I would jump up and dance right now because that's in our Bible. <laughs> the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. What we will be, okay? So biblical hope, what gives us a pure heart is future. The day of the Lord, the kingdom of God, the resurrection of the dead. What we are isn't, isn't yet, okay? We're God's children now. What we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, <laughs> we shall be like him because we shall what? We'll see him, okay? So the blessed hope is the return of Jesus to the earth. It's him coming on the clouds, raising the dead in glory, and restoring the earth to glory. The hope of the believer and the hope of the world is the return of Jesus, okay? Maranatha, come Lord, do the thing. That's what we're asking. So verse 3, and everyone who thus hopes in him, what we will be, 
by his appearing, because when we look at him, we'll see him. Everyone who hopes thus in him, okay? If your life is like a laundry machine or a dishwasher and you set that thing to Maranatha, it means you're, everyone sets their hope in him, okay? Purifies himself as he is pure. Did you see what he said? Yeah. He said, everyone who hopes in that day, everyone who, who sets all their, puts all their marbles, all their basket in the return of Jesus, of his appearing, is purified as he is pure. Setting all of your hopes on the age to come and the return of Jesus is God's ordained means of spurring us to walk this thing out with a pure heart. Okay? That's what he's saying. Everyone who hopes in that purifies himself because that's real. Okay? It's carrot and stick. Carrot means believing. I really will see God and I really will be rewarded to him. If I walk this thing out in repentance and humility now. I mean, carrot, go get it. Stick in believing that I really will stand before him someday and all of my deeds done in pretense will actually be exposed. Yeah. See what he's saying in verse 3. So everyone who thus hopes in him and his appearing purifies himself as he's, as he's pure. The means of God for your pure heart is the return of Jesus and the day of the Lord. Like, it, it sounds so elementary and so silly. Like, if I'm good now, I get a treat. <laughs> and if I'm bad now, I get a lake of fire. You know what I mean? Like, so we set our hopes on that day. Okay? When we see him, we'll be made like him. And that's the, that's the engine. Like, that, that's the fuel for the engine to walk this thing out. So the word... The Spirit and the day of the Lord are God's tools to keep us walking in purity. And he put it into English in a Bible, like on your phone, in your pocket, in your ear. Like, that's that's so wonderful. Like, I don't have to make this stuff up. I'm just, oh, you put this in English. Thank you. Okay. So, last thing here. When Jesus says that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God... See, God is not a metaphor. Okay? So, we'll see God doesn't, it doesn't primarily mean that the pure in heart will have more inward fuzzies during the worship service than the prayer meeting. Okay? Love inward fuzzies during worship in the prayer meeting. I, like, that's awesome. That's, like, why we gather. That's why we do uh, Monday nights. Okay? It also doesn't mean that the pure in heart will have especially anointed quiet times. Okay? You open your Bible, you got your coffee, you're walking in a clean conscience before God, and just, man, the Word's coming alive, the coffee's hitting different. Like, that's wonderful. <laughs> that's good. Um, reading the Bible with, with, a, with a clean conscience is like those, uh, those frosted animal crackers. Not just the frosting on top. I mean, the ones that are totally covered with the little dots, okay? Um, those, those things. You just want more and 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 more. Okay? But that's not the main point. Of blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart will literally see God. They will literally be resurrected when he appears, First John. They will literally, with resurrected feet and legs, ascend his holy hill, Psalm 24. They will literally dwell in his sanctuary in Jerusalem, Psalm 15, in a literal congregation of literal righteous people, Psalm 1. And they will see his real 
literal face. Revelation 22, the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright and clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit that Adam lost and Christ regained, yielding fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and His servants will worship Him. Verse 4, they will see His face. And his name will be on their foreheads. (laughs) This is Job's hope. Okay? All of Job's suffering. All of Job's patient endurance. In the midst of all of that, Job says, Job 19, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh, I'll see God. All this pain, all this struggle, all all this torment, but in my flesh, I'm going to see God. I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold Him, and not like guys. Blessed are the pure in heart. They're going to see God, and not be burnt to a crisp, but enjoy Him forever. The pure in heart. Those who understand Jeremiah 17, 9, and know that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things, and those who know what Jesus said in Matthew 15, that out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual morality, theft and false witness and slander and all the things Jesus didn't mention. Those who know that, okay? I I, I don't want you leaving here today. Josh has a pretty high view of the human heart. No, I do not, okay? Those who know that, that know the propensity of our ways, of our thoughts, of our deeds, of our heart. Know that, but throw themselves on the mercy of God in repentance and pray with David, asking the Lord to do a miracle. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. Those who do that, live that way, you pray, create me a pure heart, O God. Create me a clean heart. Renew within me a steadfast spirit. If you pray that way, you will get what you pray for. And you will see God. For real. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.